0: You to write that down somewhere. Our passion introduces us before we speak. Wherever you go, whatever you're going to do, your passion about what you're about to do is going to be picked up before you open your mouth. And people will tell, are you excited about what you're talking about or what you represent? Or are you not too sure yourself? And I pray that every single one of us will be extremely excited about serving God and representing him in an amazing way. Okay, so those were all free. Are you ready? God's word doesn't change God's word, doesn't change, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What He promised to Abraham, Noah, and everybody else is the same promise to you and I today. And how many of us, when we read the Bible, we are so amazed at what God did with them and we wonder when He's going to do it with us? That's why I'm telling you to get ready, God's word. Doesn't change, so let me give you a couple of things about what doesn't change in Matthew 16 18. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus said, I will build my church. So, in other words, when you build something, it increases. Yes, no, good. When you build a house. It starts somewhere, holes doesn't look very good, but it grows. As the people that you need put in the right things at the right time, it just grows and it becomes something that you can live in. The church is exactly the same. And Jesus said, I will build it. In other words, he doesn't want it to stay the same. We are not a bless me, holy huddle. We are a river of life that God has put here to bless other people. Great. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples. Teaching them to obey. Baptizing them. We are this Jesus is relying on us to do those things. Mark sixteen fifteen, and he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up snakes the, with their hands. Not me, thank you. We leave those things alone. They will drink deadly poison and will not hurt them. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. Yeah. How are we going to see the sick people getting well? Yeah. By you and I, in faith, taking our hand, putting it on them, and praying in Jesus' name. Yeah. That's it. But if you don't put your hand on them and you don't pray for them, are you going to see miracles? Yeah. No, you're not. Because it's going to take something of us to do. You know, Afrikaans have got that saying, Slan noma the plonk. English people, there's no interpretation of that one. <laughs> mess up your name. Okay, that's, I think that's the easiest way. Just mess up your name. There's going to be times when you're going to have to put yourself out there and there's a possibility of messing up your name. But it's going to be an act of faith, trusting God to do something. That's not natural. That's what the kind of people that God's looking for. In John chapter 14, 12, Jesus said, Very, very, I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. What he said there? The things that I've been doing, you will do also. He's talking to us, the body of Christ. We're amazed when we see what Jesus did. But he wants to do those things through us. Why? Because he said, I'm going back to the Father. And I'm leaving you here. But I will give you the help of the Holy Spirit that will work through you. And those things are going to uh, um, be beca- happening through us. So nothing just falls into our lap. In fact, faith is required in all this stuff. So how is your faith level for 2023? <laughs> we're still in Christmas mode. we um, we still... No, leave that one alone. Let's go. Our obedience is going to be put to the test. There's going to be things that God's going to drop into your heart. Will you do this? Will you phone this person? Will you inspire this? Will you share this? There's going to be things that God's going to drop into your heart through this year. Your obedience level is going to be tested. And being led by the Spirit is the key to all this one. Then Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9, We make it our goal to please Him, whether we're here at home, in the body, or whether we're away from it. That needs to be the very goal of us as born-again believers. We make it our goal to please Him in everything. When nobody's watching as well. So often, when nobody's watching, nobody's watching and I kind of like let my God down. No, don't. Because Jesus is watching. Let us be people that have one drive in us. I want to be a God pleaser in my life. So changes in our world are going to happen. But that doesn't change who God is. We're living in a world that's crazy right now. Shirley was reading somewhere where one of the airlines are now giving the, 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 the male and the female um, host, uh, what do you call them? Stewards. They can wear men's clothes or women's clothes. You choose. Madness. Absolute madness. Doesn't The things that are changing in the world doesn't change God's word, God's standards, God's principles. Change is going to shake you and I. And change will challenge our comfort zone. It's going to make us uncomfortable. It might even make life very difficult. You and I might even lose our jobs because we stand for Jesus Christ. What are we going to do in a time like that? There are some serious decisions that we're going to have to make because I stand for Jesus. I'm not going to be lukewarm. I'm not going to just blend in with everybody else. I'm going to stand up for what is right. So in spite of the challenges and the changes, the instruction or the command is still there. Build my church. Build my church. There are going to be some people that that are very different to you and I that are going to come to these meetings. What are we going to do? Are we going to say, can Jesus save that person? Or are we going to welcome him in and demonstrate the love of Jesus to those people that need him? See, these are sobering things that we need to think about. But if Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, he's not going to build it with a certain section of, of society. He's going to build it with everything and everyone. Are we ready? We're getting even more quieter. 1 John 3, eight. It says this, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the evil one. The enemy wants to separate people from who he is and, and him and a relationship. And Jesus came to break all those things. He came to mess the plans of the enemy up. Every time you and I wake up, I think the devil should get so scared and thinking, what are those people going to get up to today? He must be so worried because we're alive. When God created everything in the beginning, he created everything with purpose. God is a purpose-orientated God. Therefore, we and you and I should be living our life with purpose. With purpose. I'm aiming for something. There's a parable of the pencil. It says, in the beginning, the pencil maker spoke to the pencil, saying, There are five things that you need to know before I send you out into the world. Always remember them, and you will become the best pencil you can be. Number one, you'll be able to do many great things, but only if you allow yourself to be held in someone's head. Number two, you will experience a painful sharpening from time to time, but this is required if you're going to become a better pencil. Number three, you have the ability to correct many mistakes you might make. Number four, the most important part of you will always be what's inside. And number five, No matter what the condition is, you must continue to write. You must always leave a clear, legible mark, no matter how difficult the situation. The pencil understood, promised to remember, and went into the box, fully understanding, makes purpose. Now replace the the pencil and put yourself there. And always remember them and never forget them. And you'll become the best person you can be, number one. You'll all be, you will always be able to do many great things, but only if you allow yourself to be held in God's hand and allow other human beings to access you for the many gifts you possess. Number two, you will experience a painful sharpening from time to time but going through various problem, and going through various problems, but you will need it to become a stronger person. Number three, you'll be able to correct the mistakes you make And grow through them. Number four. The most important part of you will always be what's on the inside. Number five. On every surface you walk, you must leave your mark. No matter what the situation is, you must continue to serve God in everything. See, everyone is like a pencil created by the maker for a unique and a specific purpose. By understanding and remembering, let us proceed with our life on this earth, having a meaningful purpose in our heart and a relationship with God daily. You were made for great things. Amen. How many of you have sat in a a gallery and you've seen amazing work, sketches of people, and it was just because something allowed them to hold it in their hands so they could paint the surface and leave the mark? The pencil can be used for many different things, by the way. You can use a pencil for a doorstopper. You can use it as a weapon. When we were at school, you're not allowed to repeat this to anybody and young people. This is not for you. Close your ears, young people. If You're going to school. We used to put our pencil in the lace of our shoe and then we used to kick the guy in front of us. You know, you take the pencil out and you carry on writing. And he goes, ah, and then he gets into trouble. Thank you, Jesus, I got saved. (laughs) But you want the maximum amount of pencil? Don't use it as a weapon, use it to write. Don't allow the enemy to use you as a weapon to bring destruction wherever you go. Allow God to use you to write on people's hearts and lives and make memories. In Psalm 57, verse 4 says, I cried out to God most high, to God who fulfilled his purpose. For me, See, our purpose is fulfilled when we're in God's hand. When we're in God's hand, that's when life comes together. How many of us are sitting in this room today that before Jesus, your life was a real mess? Mine was. It was Jesus that brought order. It was Jesus that took the things that they were using to cause chaos in my life, and he brought those things, and I brought it under his authority. You used those things to change my life, and cause my life to have meaning. And, and, and to do something with it. So, to keep to God's plan, you and I are going to have to stay focused. To so stay focused, that means we have to have a vision. What are you aiming for in 2023? Have you sat down and have you asked yourself some questions about your life? Where, what you, we don't to repeat 2022. <laughs> some people say, amen. We want a fresh year. We want to aim for things. That we're going to see the glory of God fall, And God do something amazing. You know what I love about God? He uses simple people like me and you. He doesn't look for the qualified. He looks for the available and then he qualifies the available. And in that somewhere along the line, he somehow does something amazing with us. And so that's why Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen becomes so important. It says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. I want you to think about that. Have you ever tried to ride a horse without a bit in its mouth? Don't. Because you're going to have a scary ride. Because a bit is there to restrain it. Restrain it is not to hurt it. A restrain, when you restrain something, is that means you can steer it in the right direction. I remember when I was young and my brother-in-law was a rancher and, and there was a horse that he was trying to, to break in. So I thought that I was the man and I jumped on this thing. Well, I tell you what, that horse... Didn't understand anything. Thank you, sir. It wanted to get me off. And so eventually it ran into a bunch of trees. And all I could do was duck. And when I ducked, the, the, he went under a branch that was just a bit taller than him as a horse. And I took it full on in the head. And I'm just kind of like holding on. And this thing just carries on running. So don't ride a horse without. That's the NIV version. And the King James Version says, where there is no vision, people perish. People Perish. It means that things go horribly wrong and, and, and disasters set up for you. Where there is no vision, people perish. In, in the Bible, in the basic English, it says this, where there is no vision, the people are uncontrolled. Can you see that in our world today? People are uncontrolled. People are doing crazy things. And in the message Bible, it says, if people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble over themselves. God's the one that brings clarity into everything. That's why he's got to be the one in our life. You can't add God to your life. He has to be your life. You have to build your life around him. Everything has to focus around him. And everything that you build has to build towards him. That's when order comes into our life. Vision drives us through obstacles. If you're not looking through the windscreen of your vehicle, when things go out of control, you don't know where you're going. That's why you've got to keep your eyes on the road so that you're going to help you how to correct everything. Vision is that very thing that helps us. Keep your and hands on the steering wheel, the word of God. I don't know if you've heard of Jennifer Bricker. But she was a young lady that was born without legs. And her parents abandoned her at birth. Anyway, she went up to be, uh, got adopted. And the adopted family never had the vocabulary of you cannot. And how she learned eventually to become mobile. She lost the legs. She had no legs right from here. And so her, her arms were the only thing. that. She, and she had a dream. She had a dream to become a gymnast. And you think that that's a crazy dream. But I'm telling you that she became, she actually won the gold medal um, in the, where was, it? where was it? In the Olympics. I think it was in 1980 or 1996 or somewhere around over there. But the most amazing thing was that while she was growing up and she had this dream of being a gymnast, she had a a role model that she used to watch and follow. And the lady's name was Dominique Marciano. And what happened is that when she was 16, Jennifer now she got to find out that Dominique actually was her sister. How's that one? That you land up being, being given away and the parents, and you have a dream and all of a sudden you connect with your sister because she was a gold medalist Olympic winner. Isn't that amazing? You see, it doesn't matter what we don't have, but vision will help you and I stand up and keep going when life is difficult. You've got to have something that picks you up every single morning. What gets you out of bed? Vision keeps you and I moving forward, overcoming our challenges. Vision keeps us focused. Vision keeps us going when everything doesn't go according to plan. Has anybody had a life like that? Where something just doesn't go according to plan? Yeah? Just give you a a, a sneak preview about my life. I'm born in Zimbabwe. grew up there for the first 27 years of my life. I didn't want to move to South Africa. We came down, I think the first time I came to South Africa was now I was 16. And enjoyed the nice little cokes that you used to get in a can. Because you never used to get those. And it was Rhodesia in those days. And all the nice sweets. And the, and the, but I'd never wanted to leave. And what happens is, if I look back today, I am so glad Jesus moved me. You see, when life is chaos, and we allow Jesus the right, To say, go. Or will you go for me? And you put up your hand and say, yes, Lord, I don't really want this. But if this is what you want for me, I'll go there. Now I'll tell you what, I am so grateful. Met Shirley in Johannesburg. And that place was the place I didn't really want to go to, was Johannesburg. Anyway, let's leave that one alone. Let me tell you why. I, I, I grew up the last part of my my life in, in Zimbabwe was in Bight Bridge. Bight Bridge is on the border. There's I think there's two and a half thousand people, that's cattle, and cats and dogs included. You moved to Johannesburg. There's a whole world there. I thought I knew how to drive over there. I had to learn how to drive. And I learned to drive in those days. You didn't have GPS on the phone. You had a big map book. Oh Lord, and then you don't know whether this this way or that way, and then you're trying to read there and there's cars, be, beep, 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 bee, and I'm thinking, Lord, send me back to the please. <laughs> Helen Keller, at the age of nineteen, lost her sight and her hearing through a sickness. And she was asked, What would be worse than being blind? To which she answered, having sight without vision. What's worse than being blind is having sight. Without vision. Vision, very important part of our life. Remember the message Bible said, without vision, we perish. Vision gets us out of the rut, it gets us out of the valley, it gets us out of that unproductive state that we can find ourselves in. Vision pulls us through those hard times. Vision gives us reason to live. It gives me a reason to get out of bed every single morning. There's a purpose for my life. Do you know you have a purpose? Do you know you have a purpose? Amen. So, number one, vision is the ability to see. Vision is the ability to see. The Webster Bible says it's the faculty or the ability of sight, the unusual foresight, a mental image produced by the imagination, the experience of the supernatural as if it were the eye, with the eyes. That's what the, the, the Webster Bible says. Miles Monroe um, told a story of a family that was on a ship, um, and they were riding, they were, I don't know where they were, and it was coming to sunset, and it was one of the most amazing sunsets that, that they'd seen, and um, they were all standing next to the side, and the little girl was there, and she couldn't see, and she said, Dad, I want to see, I want to see, and he picked her up, and he put her on his, on his shoulders, and she said, Dad, I can see further than my eyes can look. That's what vision does. Vision gets me and you to look further further, then we can see with these eyes. And many things God's going to take us into that in the natural seems like this is an absolute disaster. But if we will look with God's eyes and we'll be able to see beyond the challenges and the obstacles, I'm telling you, we are heading for something amazing. You see, the pressure of life has stopped us dreaming. Oh man, I love dreaming. I love... We were talking these holidays about stuff that... That we really are believing that in, in, in our lifetime still we will do and God will use us to do certain things. I love dreaming. Disappointments have killed our willingness to take risks. We don't take bad risks. We take good calculated risks. We use counsel and we use the wisdom of God to do that. And I've just lost my place now. Where am I? Where am I? The devil wants you and I to just be normal. Don't rock the boat. We serve a God that's not normal. You and I can't be normal. God's destined us for great things. Things that, the, what, that he wants to do where you work, where you live, with the people next door. God wants to do things through you and through, through me. See, we don't serve a normal God. In Revelation 1:8 it says, he is the alpha and the mega. The beginning and the end. It's one that has the last say. I've seen in my life that sometimes I've done things and I'm thinking, what was I thinking? I know you've never had any moment like that. But you know how gracious God is that in that moment were you thinking, what were you thinking? It's amazing how the grace of God somehow just protected you and God did something with it anyway. You see, because this is the reality of life. Nobody wakes up in the morning and I'm gonna make a mistake today. No. That's why a mistake is a mistake. It's a misjudgment of something. There's somewhere you misread the information, got wrong information, was thinking, I don't know, maybe you had too much salad last night before supper, I'm not too sure. But there's maybe there's reasons why we make mistakes. We don't get up there. And I think that's why God's gracious to us when we try. And we don't get it totally right. In Ephesians chapter 3.20 it says that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. What's the greatest thought that you've ever had? The Bible tells me God can do more than that. He can do more than that. See vision is seeing what does not exist. What do you think a farmer sees when he goes and buys a piece of ground that hasn't been developed yet? What does he look at? Does he look at? The empty field? Or do you think maybe he gets a picture in his mind of a field with the crops in it and a house and the barns and, and, and dams and all that kind of stuff. He starts to create a picture on the inside of his head before it's even there. That's what vision does. Vision starts to get things going on the inside. I made a statement to somebody. I don't know who it was during this holiday. We're going to plant a congregation out of this congregation. In Jesus' name, we're going to plant a congregation. So get ready. Very interesting. Very interesting. Have you, have you noticed, have you noticed that, that lifts are now being put on the outside of a building and not on the inside? Have you noticed that? You have not noticed that one. Okay. He has. Do you know how that started? Apparently it started, there was a hotel somewhere that was very popular and um, they, they, they never had lifts. And they had the only stairway. And so the, all the, the, the owners and everybody were kind of like looking at how long they were going to have to shut the hotel down so that they could make holes through all the floors to be able to put the lift in. And the person that was cleaning the floor was listening to the conversation, pushing them up. And went to them and said, do you mind if I say something? Instead of closing down the hotel, why don't you build the lifts on the outside of the building? Then all you have to do is break a hole into every floor through the wall. It didn't come from an engineer and the clever characters. It came from a person that was mopping the floor. See, that's why God can use simple people like me and you. Vision is like a knife. You have to keep sharpening it. Paul Hovey said a blind man's world is bound by limits of his touch. An ignorant man's world by the limits of his knowledge. A great man's world by the limits of his vision. See, you can have vision, and you can lose it. Have you been there? Time when you had great vision, we lost it. Lynn Anderson tells a story Of about 350 years ago, a shipload of travelers landed on the northeast coast of America. The first year, they established a town site. The next year, they elected a town government. The third year, the town government planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. In the fourth year, the people tried to impeach the town government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. They said, who needed to go there anyway? Here were people who had a vision to see 3,000 miles across the ocean and overcome great hardships to get there. But in a few years, they were not able to see even five miles out of town. They had lost their pioneering vision with a clear vision of what we can become in Christ. No ocean of difficulty is too great. Without it, we really move beyond our current boundaries. You see, the enemy... Wants to keep you contained. Because if he can keep you contained, he can control you. And God is saying. You know, there's, a, um, there's the, uh, in, I think it's in Isaiah. It says that we need to increase our tent, increase our borders, strengthen our stakes. Who knows that? I think it's Isaiah 54. I think it's somewhere over there. Um, say again? 43. Could be. I'm just going on, on memory right now. But God wants us to stretch open wide. God wants us to make ourselves uncomfortable so that we can accommodate what he's about to send. Here's another interesting thing. The Swiss were the leaders in the watch industry. They used to hold 80% of the watch market. The Swiss. And when they were presented with the concept of the digital watch, because it did not have springs and little things going backwards and forwards, they said, that's not a watch. Today, they only hold 20% of the world market. Digital now holds 80% of the world market. You see, when you and I, when we look through uh, uh, glasses that keep our vision tunneled, we become irrelevant very quickly. And that's why as the body of Christ, we're going to have to keep ourselves sharp and smart all the time. In Genesis chapter 13, verse 14, we're coming down to land now. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, he said, lift up your eyes from where you are looking, north, south, east, and west. All the land you see, I will give to you and your offspring. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. You see, it was very interesting. God had to give Abraham a picture to see something so that he could understand what God was doing. And that's why vision becomes so important for us is because it becomes the picture that stirs us to go and do something. So the question is, have we lost direction for our life? Have we lost the spark of life? I'm talking to us at the beginning of the year. Reminding ourselves this is going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. I need more people to participate in that. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. I know life has been tough. And I know that, that things have not been fair. But I want to tell you, God always remains good. He is a good, good God. God is the lifter of our head. And he wants us to lift up our head today. And he's giving us a reason to live. He wants us to be kingdom builders. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. It doesn't, matter how, what, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. In Jesus name. When you sit with somebody. And, and they, you hear the challenges that they are facing. I tell you on the inside of you. You have the wisdom of Jesus. To be able to give them hope. So that they can keep standing up tomorrow. We have that. We don't know where we are. uh, We all are right now. And I don't know where you are. If you're excited and expectant, then I rejoice with you. But if you have lost hope, I want to tell you, Jesus is our hope. There's no other hope. You can put your your hope in many things, but tomorrow those things can be gone. The only thing that will be here tomorrow that we're guaranteed is Jesus. If you're hurting and bleeding, I want to tell you, Jesus is our healer. That he can heal. And he can put our life back together again. And and your tomorrow is still exciting. And if you're frustrated, I want to tell you, Jesus still gives purpose. He still gives purpose. And if you're not sure, I want to tell you, Jesus is still the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Remember that song? If you do, you're giving away your age. (laughs) You were born for such a time as this. You are the people, and I'm the person that God wanted to walk planet Earth at this specific time. Because He put things in you and I that He needs. And all He does is He needs our obedience. That's all He needs. He doesn't need how clever you are. He doesn't need any of that. He just needs our obedience. Are you ready for 2023? God's word never changes. He hasn't, he's not double thinking. He's not trying to change his mind. He's not doing anything. That which he planned from the beginning is still his plan right till the very end. And you and I are part of that. And that's exciting. That is exciting. Can we pray? We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. There is none like you. Father, tonight I'm asking that you will move from the one end to the other, from the front until the back. Lord, I will not ask that this would just be some good words. I'm asking that these would be words that would be ironed in our heart and cemented in our thinking. That, Lord Jesus, you are the king of all kings. That you are the one that will build. And that, Lord, you have called us for such a time as this. And that, Lord, we will stick up our hand, not because we qualify, but just because we want to be involved with what you're doing in Jesus' name. I pray for every single person that looks right now and and it just seems like life has too, thrown too much at them and they, and they don't see a chance. I pray that, that the fire of God would come and grip every single heart that's despondent in Jesus' name. That they would experience you like never before. That God, you would, you would give them dreams in the night hours. That, that you would speak in such a clear way. That God, they would know that they, would know, that they know that you were real. That you know, overlooked them. In Jesus' name. And I thank you that, Father, you are able to turn everything around for your good. In Jesus' name. And that's what I declare. That, Father, everything that the enemy has used to bring destruction, that, God, you would turn that around to bring victory and a testimony that will magnify the name of Jesus like nothing else can. In Jesus' name. And we'll say what David said. Lo, you slay me, God, yet will I praise you. We will always put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Father, we'll lift up our hands when we just don't feel like it. And we will magnify you. Because we acknowledge you are the great I am. In Jesus name. So now I'm asking that your peace would flood every single life. That God from tomorrow you would start to order steps. And that people would see, Lord, your hand moving. And things would change. In our working environment, in our neighborhoods, wherever we find these challenges, God, change them, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you and we give you praise. We give you praise. I thank you that there's not one person that's sitting in this room that is a mistake. That you planned and you destined every single one of us. Oh, the enemy has sent a message. We're useless and we're no good and we've got nothing to offer. But I pray that your voice would be heard tonight. That you are valuable, you are special, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you and I give you praise. With every head bowed and every eye closed while we're sitting in this moment. Maybe there's somebody sitting over here and you just don't know Jesus Christ. Or maybe you did many years ago. Or a while ago. And stuff happened. And you, you've, you've become cold. And you're walking with God. And serving him. And you maybe turned your back on him. And the voice of God is calling you back again today. Say come back. Come back. In me there's life. In me there's hope. In me there's the answer. If that's you tonight. I want to pray with you. I'll ask you very quickly, will you just put up your hand while everybody bowed, bowed, every eye closed. You're saying, I need to give my life to Jesus or I'm going to rededicate my life to Jesus tonight. We're starting again. Is there anybody in this room that we can pray for tonight? In Jesus' name. If there's a battle going on in the inside, I'm asking you, will you just give up? Will you just say yes? Thank you. Is there anybody else that will join that person and say, I'm making you Lord of my life, Jesus? Anybody else? I'm sensing there's a, there's, there's somebody that was in, that's like struggling, and I'm asking you tonight: Don't walk out of this place. Don't fix. Just fix it. Fix it. You might not understand everything, but do what's what you need to do now, and then we'll help you forward. Is there anybody else? I want to ask all of us if we can pray this. And, and the person that put their hand up, will you, will you pray this with all your heart? Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I acknowledge that you are the King of all kings. And the Lord of all lords. And tonight, I make you my Lord. I receive you, Jesus. I confess you as the Son of God. Forgive me of my sin. Take my life and use it for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Father, I pray for that person right now. I want to thank you. Every form of condemnation that the enemy has used to to, um, distance them from you, I break its power over their life right now. I pray that your love will be lavished over them in such a way that, Jesus, they will respond to you. They will hear your voice clearly again. They will love your word when they read it again in Jesus' name. I speak your blessing over them. Lord, we cancel every assignment that the enemy has had to bring destruction over their life. And Lord, in turn, we pray your blessing, your favor, your goodness over them. In Jesus' name, will you order their steps, I ask. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you now. This is the beginning. Will you take our hand? Will you walk with us? We love you, Jesus. Amen.